When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Amid the stars in the sky, humanity expands and thrives as it pushes back the boundaries of the universe. Welcome to Schneider Orbiter. I came through a bit of a rough system to get here, okay? If you can't pay, your ship will be impounded until you do. My name is May. I need a ship. Shouldn't you be in school, kid? I thought your ad said no questions. We need you to take a shipment into Imperial space for us. Everybody seems to want something. Sure I want something. I want to earn enough credits for an expensive mining We can't let the weapon leave the station. I want a quiet system with nobody else around where I can work in peace. Then do nothing. Just get me the registration of that ship. I just came to check on my investment. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. If anything untoward were to happen to any of the shipment, it would be bad news for you. I'm gonna die. No. No, I won't accept that. Hey, who are these guys? Any system other than this. I've got to get out of here. We'll work something out. From the luxury of the core systems to the harsh worlds of the frontier, men still fight. Orbital traffic control requesting takeoff clearance. They all share one aim to be elite. Engaging hyperdrive. Escape velocity. An official full cast audio drama based on the hit video game Elite Dangerous. Please visit escapevelocity.laveradio.com. Diagonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 6 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 6, The End is Nigh. dear. Did you have a productive reflection yesterday? Yes. Wonderful. Please forgive my forgetfulness during our first meeting. You may call me Father Weber. Cat forced a fake smile and continued to stare at the tile floor. It's a pity our time was cut short yesterday. Tell me, What brought you to my family's home on this beautiful day our provider has given us? There's nothing beautiful about this day. It hasn't been beautiful for a long time. 
Yes, the world is a different place, this is true, but we are alive by our provider's grace, and she never gives us more than we can handle. Rest assured, you are safe within this compound. Our people care about one another, and we will care about you too, should you choose to remain among us. Everyone in your group will be accepted. Is this important to you? That everyone is safe and included? Of course. Look at me when you are speaking to me. Kat tried to look him squarely in his eyes, but she became distracted by his gargantuan stomach, which rumbled audibly. Now, my dear, as you can see, my physical limitations prevent me from partaking in vigorous activities. I do require assistance from time to time with my daily tasks. Is that going to be a problem for you and your group members, helping others? No, no problem. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. It's hard to find good and honest people these days, don't you agree? So much distrust in the world around us now. Yes. I've heard many things already about your group. How many people did you travel with? Be specific now. Two women and two men. I've already had the privilege of sampling some of Sister Jennifer's tasty concoctions in the kitchen. Such a delight that one is. Her cooking, at least. No response. I'm sorry, I was just thinking. You think when I tell you to think, and you answer me when I'm talking to you. Ira, I'm afraid this young lady needs more time to think. Let me go! Why do you struggle? I already told you I'm not going to hurt you. Ira, get off of me! I don't want to go into that tank again! Once you let yourself be one with the water, you can reflect and improve your behavior. Let me go! Kat struggled against Ira until she heard him leave the room and shut the door behind him. Centering herself, she welcomed the darkness and the silence that enveloped her. She was no longer afraid, and her body became weightless. As she meditated, a memory overtook her consciousness. The darkness faded away and was replaced by the sun's heat on her back. Not a burning heat, like the world she lived in now, a warm, comforting feeling that soothed her in the before time. The warmth made her lazy and a bit drowsy as she lowered her eyelids momentarily. The ocean's waves rocked her gently and she embraced the peaceful setting. Kat opened her eyes and she was in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by water on all sides. She must have fallen asleep sometime during the night, as her kayak drifted further and further away from the island. A large vessel blew its horn at her again, and she sat upright, waving at it expectantly. Over here! Excitement bubbled up inside her, as she spotted two men conversing with one another and pointing at her kayak. She had successfully escaped from the island, and hoped the men on the ship would help her get to land. One of the men motioned for her to paddle towards them as he signalled for another man at the helm to kill the engines. As she sidled up beside their boat, she noticed the men looking at her strangely. 
She modestly covered herself as she saw the men were wearing several articles of clothing, including overalls, boots, long-sleeved shirts and gloves. She simply wore a thin one-piece garment traditionally worn by all islanders of her native land. Hey! What are you doing out here all alone? I, uh, I got lost. Kat still had to make it to land before she would feel completely at ease about her escape. A small part of her was afraid these men would return her back to the island. Well, we can't go in yet. We'd waste our whole day of work. You can stay on board and get off when we go in for the night. The man watched Kat for any trace of anger at his response, but her face displayed pure joy. Thank you. I I would appreciate any ride to land you can give me. I'll stay out of your way until then. The men shrugged and went back to pulling up their nets on the side of the ship. Hey, not bad. Oh, thanks. Let me try it. Oh, yeah, I mean, do I have a choice? (laughs) That's really good for your first time. It's easy. Hey, where are you going already? It's too hot. How long have you been out here? Uh, I don't know. A couple hours, I guess. That's freaking insane, dude. It's just... That new medication Heather's taking makes her really tired. She sleeps a lot, so, uh... Just thought I would come out here and blow off some steam. How long have you been together? (laughs) No, 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 no. We aren't together. (laughs) You're a terrible liar. It's nothing like that. Okay, whatever, man. But look, it's already the end of the world. What more has to happen before you go and accept reality? Good morning, my dear. How was your quiet reflection? Fine. Don't be frightening me. I merely want to get to know you and your traveling companions. Come, have a seat by my side. Good now. I can already see that the room has allowed you to discover reflection. Obedience is one of the many core values of our community. Now, my dear, would you like to ask me a question? Cap furrowed her brow, unprepared that she would be allowed to ask anything of the self-proclaimed leader. The seconds ticked by, and a million thoughts flew through her mind, but no sounds made their way through her parted lips. Ah, still in reflection mode? Don't worry, my dear. I take your silence as complimentary waving your right to information. Kat's tongue felt heavy as she found her opportunities dwindling. What do you mean? You trust me. That is why you have nothing to ask me. You feel safe in my presence, is it not so? Kat wanted to scream in protest, but she remained stone-faced, 
no harm would come to her if she played along for now. I've been told that a child was born under your watch, but was lost. How does this make you feel, my dear? Do you feel culpable in the death of the infant? Kat stumbled over her response as his line of questioning threw her off guard. Surely the child was most likely dead, but nobody knew for sure. I, uh, yes, I I do feel a bit responsible. Good, good. Admitting our faults is part of having a good moral compass. Now, if you would be so kind as to enlighten me, does any one of your group have any limitations we should be aware of? Physical or otherwise? No, sir. Please refer to me as Father Weber. No, Father Weber. (laughs) Now, don't be coy. We are here to help you become adjusted to your new home. Indeed, there is one among you who is lacking in some way, whether it be physical or mental. We pass no judgment here, but we must be aware then to ensure the proper accommodations are made. What about yourself? Do you sleep peacefully at night? I... Uh, Do you or do you not have a connection with those murderous walking corpses that plague the earth? You have the ability to command their attention or communicate with them in some way? Kat's eyes narrowed as she turned back to look at Ira. Surely he must have spied on her while she slept in her quarters to know about her consistent nightmares. How many conversations had they shared under the guise of friendship that he then regurgitated back to this dough-bellied sadist? She burned with anger and self-loathing. Uh, excuse me, Father Weber. The other female, is she a, uh... Ira, apologize for interrupting our conversation. Rudeness is against the rules. I-I-I'm sorry, Father. I'm not a sanctimonious man. I follow the ways of the provider to the best of my ability. I do not claim to live a sinless life. But I know some people enjoy living in sin. Then there are those who are oblivious to the severe nature of their transgressions. Kat wasn't sure how he wanted her to answer him. She could already tell that this man had a short fuse, and she wasn't sure exactly how dangerous he was. Surely they couldn't have something worse than the constant gaslighting, followed by the sensory deprivation tank as intended punishment. She stared at her bare feet and refused to respond, due to fear of incurring his wrath by answering incorrectly. (laughs) Oh, my dear, you have much to learn. Cat, I want you to know the rules of my compound. I can see the others look up to you. All I ask is for you to come and speak with me every day before you begin your daily chores. I do not require much. Perhaps one day, my clothes washed, little here, little there. Uh, If everyone pitches in, it will make life much, much easier. Luckily, the provider has blessed me with a beautiful new addition to my flock. Father Weber smiled at her through his yellow-stained, broken teeth. After he was through looking at her, Father Weber called for Ira with a whistle. He carefully nuzzled the backside of his palm against his face. They spoke in hushed tones for several moments. 
Here, take these. He handed both Adrian and Kat a surgical mask and a pair of gloves. Although Adrian was deemed the community doctor, he could only treat members of the flock under the watchful eye of Father Weber. Ira gestured towards the women to give him and Kat the go-ahead to attend to the wounded. Prior to this, Adrian had worked alone. Kat had asked Ira repeatedly if she could help him, but she was refused until this day. They travelled in a single file down each row of cots, Adrian in the front, making his medical deliberations and doing exams. In the middle, Kat pushed a supply cart filled with medications and supplies, which she handed him upon his instruction. And Ira made up the rear, carefully watching the other two while engaging in light conversation with each woman strapped to their beds. He encouraged them to praise the provider at every opportunity. The women recoiled when he came close to them, turning their heads to the wall with blank stares. It's for their safety, Father Weber had stated sorrowfully. We do the best we can. Eventually, they came to a young teenage girl, appearing to be about 15 or 16. Her eyes were swollen shut, and her young face was covered in yellow and green bruises. What's her name? I haven't seen her before now. Ira paused before responding, as if he did not want to divulge or did not know the information. Does anyone know this girl's name? Well, we have to call her something. Uh, fine. We'll call her... Anne. Hello, Anne. My name is Adrian. How are you feeling? Shh, it's okay now. You don't need to talk. I can see it must be very difficult for you. Can you lift your arm at all? May I try? Okay. It looks like her collarbone is broken. Do we have any more slings? No. We only had four and we just used the last one. Damn. We'll have to fashion one together with... something. Are you able to open your mouth? Your face is very swollen and I need to see if your jaw is broken. With shaky hesitation, she opened her mouth slightly. A whispered, raspy, painful scream garbled behind the red flow of crimson that flowed out of her mouth. Ah, hand me the gauze, please. She's bleeding out all over her clothes. The gauze. For fuck's sake, cat, the fucking pluffy white stuff. Here, give it to me. I'm trying! It's soaked through her clothes. We can't leave her like this. Ira, do you have anything else she can wear right now? Let me go to storage and see what I can find. Ray's right outside, so don't try anything funny. Cat, grab me some paper towels, dip them in water, and wring them out. Let's at least clean her up a bit. Adrian gently wiped the blood from Anne's mouth and off of her chest. Help me hold her still. Kat cradled the girl as she watched Adrian unbutton her dirty blouse. Her left shoulder sagged downwards and jutted forward. The bruising extended from her face all the way down the front of her chest to the top of her jeans. What the...? Two semicircles were seared into her chest. The wound was fresh and purulent among the older bruising. Adrian stared at the cuts in confusion and disgust. Kat slowly peeked around his shoulder to see if they were being watched, but Father Weber lay on his back, both arms splayed out to each side as he slumbered deeply amongst his rubbish-filled cot. Adrian quickly wiped off the rest of the blood from Anne's upper body and quickly rebuttoned her shirt, just as Ira was returning with a worn bath towel. That's all I could scrounge up. It's okay for now. 
Kat and Adrian went back to their work, but Kat stifled a shiver. She started to feel terrified, thinking about the kinds of activities that really went on in this commune. Okay, that's everyone for today. Excellent work. Father Weber is pleased to have your active participation within our community. Please return your robes to their hanging hooks and join us for dinner in the chow hall. That's it? What if there's an emergency during the night and one of them needs us? You just lock them in here? That's why Father Weber has taken up residence in this room. He'll notify us of any distress. How? Ira pulled a yellow walkie-talkie out from under his robe and pressed a black button, which beeped loudly. He beamed at her. Don't worry, sister. We have managed up to this point. Your presence here is simply the icing on the cake. There's something very wrong going on here. I don't know what, but I can feel it. Adrian did not respond as he changed back into his regular clothes. He did not want to give Kat the impression that he suspected anything out of the ordinary. He also didn't want her to worry more than she already was. Hurry up in there. Food's getting cold. Come, sit down over here, you two. Tonight, you're the guest of honor. Let's raise our glasses to the official medical team of the community. And as another special treat, our lovely, lovely meal was prepared by another new member of our family, Sister Jenny, who is a talented chef. Tell us, sister, what have you prepared for us tonight? Uh, it's only canned chicken and water chestnuts. Just dressed it up with some spices and seasoning to give it some flavor. And jellied cranberries for dessert. A regular Thanksgiving feast. Now that everyone is finished, I will escort you back to the sleeping quarters for the evening. It's time to rest. We don't want to sleep separated from each other anymore. Would it be possible for us to all share the same space together? Is there anyone married here that I was unaware of? Only those who have been married and blessed by the provider can sleep in the same room. That is, unless you have been called for a higher position in the community. We just want to be close to each other. We are all we have left. Well, that's the beauty of it. You aren't alone anymore. We are all a family now. Follow me, please. Men to the left, women to the right. Thank you, Provider, for bringing our new brothers and sisters into our lives. Iris smiled as the group stalled in the hallway before entering their separate rooms. Good night, Heather. Don't leave me, Robbie, please. I'm scared. She hurts me. It's okay, Heather. You'll see him when we wake up. No, no, I'm tired of all these evil thoughts. Good night, ladies. How the fuck are we gonna get out of here? I don't know. They never let us go anywhere without one of them escorting us or watching us. I don't like all these stupid rules. Did they make you throw your underwear out too? And I'm sick of cooking every single meal. Back before the world ended, I ordered Postmates every single night. I don't think I've cooked any meal since I was 18 years old. We have no power here. 
Have you met their leader yet? Who? The provider that they keep referencing? Or that fat guy? <laughs> uh, the fat guy, I guess. I'm assuming the provider is some sort of deity to them. Yeah, I saw him when Ray made me clean up the sick bay. He didn't talk to me though, just kept staring at me like a piece of meat. He's definitely a creep. He calls himself Father. It's weird. He can barely move, so they wait on him hand and foot. So what, they want us to be their slaves or something? I'm not sure. He has these rules, and makes you go into the room if you break them. What kind of room? It's just a room with a big tub of water with a lid that comes down. They stuck me in there. In the dark. For hours. Several days in a row now. That sounds terrifying. It was at first, but I don't know. Iris said the water has power, and we can- I'm gonna stop you right there, Kat. Everything these people say are lies. We can't trust them. They don't care about us. They are only using us. Every single day for weeks, Adrian and Kat scrubbed themselves clean, donned their green robes, and walked barefoot to the sick bay to treat the seemingly never-healing wounds of Father Weber's flock. Every so often, Adrian would point out mysterious new injuries, and Kat shuddered when Ira wasn't looking. Before making their rounds, Kat had to sit with Father Weber for an hour or two and listen to his teachings. By now, his stench was permeating the entire room. And Kat felt that whenever she opened her mouth to respond, she could taste his acrid odour on her tongue. Kat slowly learned the proper responses to his questions and rantings, and her trips to the room became less and less frequent. Each time, she tried to concentrate and hold back her fear. But she was never able to fully conquer the water's power. The water became her prison, as well as her reprieve. While the women did their chores, The commune's men would convene daily for a morning session with Ira. After breakfast and before Adrian started his medical work, Ira led Adrian and Ravi into a small room at the back of the building for what he called his teachings. Attendance was mandatory. He told them the purpose of his lessons is to instruct them on controlling and manipulating the women in the community. Of course, he did not use those words, as they held a negative connotation. Still, Adrian and Ravi found themselves extremely uncomfortable by Ira's words. Although his demeanour was pleasant and inviting, his words were harrowing at times. They knew there was no use in arguing with him, and to protect themselves and the women, they said nothing. One particular morning, Ira led the men into the room and told them that today was the day that they would participate in the lecture, to ensure they were learning and would someday replicate his behaviour as the community grew. Now, we've been meeting for a few weeks at this point, and I feel that we're at a good place to regurgitate back some of the lessons you've been taught. So, I know we're on track. Adrian, let's start with you. Adrian bristled at Ira's words, wondering what kind of crazy, pathetic thing he wanted him to say or do. Let's try some role-playing. Picture yourself walking. It doesn't matter where. You are alone, enjoying yourself. Just meandering down the street. Okay. Now... You see a woman walking in front of you. She's very beautiful. And she doesn't notice you. You see nobody else around but the two of you. Both of you walking. 
Maybe she's on her cell phone, texting her friends, or carrying a shopping bag. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is you see... See what? An opportunity. Adrian frowned. He didn't like where Ira was going with this role-playing, but he remained quiet. Suddenly, Ira's face was full of fury, and he stuck his finger in Adrian's face. She's dressed provocatively. A woman should be modest, full of humility. But this woman isn't. She's wearing high heels, with flashy red bottoms. And her skirt, her skirt is so short, if she bends over the tiniest bit... Ira stopped and ran a hand through his tousled hair. His face morphed back into his previously cheerful self, and he continued his facade. You start walking a little faster, jog a bit to catch up to her. Well, you never really realized how long her legs were. And she's so fast, with such a big head start of you. But you finally reach her side, and she casts you a dirty look. You ask her a question. Any question at all, really. My favorite go-to is the direction to a place I already know the answer to. That way, I can tell if she's honest. Now, usually they're not. Women have an initial instinct to lie. They believe it's a tool for self-preservation. We as men need to be prepared for this. After she responds to you with whatever bullshit answer she gives, ask the young woman for her name. This will surprise her and catch her off guard, disabling her natural instincts to continue to lie to you. Adrian began to clench his fists, trying desperately to hide his disgust. He wanted so badly to punch this psychopath straight in the mouth, but he knew that would only put his group in danger. Now, it doesn't really matter if she tells you her name or not. Most of the time, she won't. If she's weak or already afraid of you, she might tell you a fake name. She'll most likely walk away from you quickly. Now, your job is to follow her. Make her aware of your presence. When she turns to look at you, frown at her like you're angry with her. If she wasn't afraid before, she would start becoming afraid of you now. Her pace will quicken, but this is important to remember. You do not mimic her speed. Simply continue to follow her. You are taking control of the situation now. She'll look back at you now more often. You should be able to see the fear on her face now. She may start to run. What is the point of all of this? Iris smiled and put a hand on Adrian's shoulder. That's the beauty of it, my friend. There is no devious plan. You are simply taking back the control that you are owned as a man. Before we teach women, we have to break them first. They have to know we are the ones in control. But your presence to her is now important. You are no longer a random, insignificant person in the crowd any longer. And that's the first step to taking back what is rightfully yours. A privacy curtain had been placed in front of Father Weber's cot, creating an enclosed space for him to wallow in his nude's filth. He complained it was due to the heat, but Kat was sure it was to exert even more control over her. She had been instructed to ask for permission before lifting up the curtain and stepping inside his fetid cubicle, but even after he commanded her to enter, his nakedness was always on full display. A trio of oscillating fans continued to dissipate his stench into the rest of the room every 20 seconds into the cycle. She attempted to avert her eyes from his shame, but Father Weber smiled 
and ordered her to maintain full eye contact at all times. Hello, my dear. Nice to see you today. Please forgive me if our conversation is light, for I'm not feeling so well. What troubles you, Father Weber? Oh, well, you see, today would have been my first wife and I's 20th anniversary. Bittersweet memories, dear. I'm sorry to hear that. Was she lost before or after the storm? Oh, before, dear. Way, way before. My wife has been gone so long, I've almost forgotten the constitution of a woman. Being the leader of a flock can be a very solitary life. Have you ever been with a man, my dear? You know the provider looks favorably upon young women who preserve their temple. For the right man, that is. Those who disobey the provider's laws in the way of promiscuity are marked by the shame of their sins. Still nothing to say? I don't fret, my dear. It was simply a light conversation, that's all. Ira, come here, please. Yes, Father Weber. Please escort Sister Jennifer in here to me. I wish to speak to her. Yes, Father. Kat stood up to leave Father Weber's side, but he motioned her to sit back down next to him. He watched her intently, and Kat held his gaze as she was required to do. The silent minutes ticked by, and he continued to study her, but did not utter a single word. Kat felt sick to her stomach, the smell and the staring a foul combination. A few moments later, Jenny was led inside the sick bay, and Father Weber ushered Kat from his bedside. He pointed for her to go stand next to Adrian, who was attending to the injured across the room. Jenny was enveloped in a white robe and barefoot. Kat tried to catch her eye as she walked past, but Jenny concentrated intently on the large platter she carried with both hands. Balanced on the plate were an entire canned ham, a steaming bowl of noodles, and a metal tin heaped with several scoops of mashed potatoes. Peeking under her hood, Kat caught a glimpse of her dark eyes, bloodshot and sunken in, as if she had been crying. She reached out and put a hand on Adrian's shoulder. He shook it off and continued his tedious debridement of an elderly woman's maggot-infested thigh. Jenny stopped several feet away from Father Weber, standing just outside his privacy curtain. He barked an order for her to enter, which she did reluctantly. What's he doing? It will be better for her if you don't cause a commotion. What is he doing? Sister Jennifer has been chosen for a special purpose. The provider has looked favorably upon her. Ira, look at me. Tell me exactly what is going on. Why is Ginny wearing a white robe? Why is she crying? <laughs> Tears of joy, don't you see? Jennifer is to be the next chosen wife of Father Weber, his most beloved. How long has that been going on? Jenny, talk to me. I told you that we needed to get out of here. How many months ago did I tell you that, Kat? It's no 
not my fault. They've been forcing us all to work every day, no days off. Our sleep schedules and eating schedules staggered so we barely see one another. You, you, you think I was just sitting around doing nothing? I've been sent to that damn water tank nine times already. I'm trying, Jenny. I'm just... I'm just so tired. This place... It's... It's broken me. I'm sorry, Kat. I know it's not your fault. I just never thought I would get married. Not to someone like that. Ugh. Has it already happened then? I didn't hear about any wedding. You weren't permitted to come. It was a quick ceremony. Only Ira, Ray and Heather were there. Heather? Why Heather? You, come with me. Take over here. I need her for something else right now. There's something wrong. I just got a lot on my mind. Nothing for you to worry about. It's almost time. Time for what? Have you ever been loved before? Kat was surprised by the question, and it briefly caught her off guard. No, I don't suppose I have. Not even as a child? Do you mean, have I been in love? Or just felt loved by someone else? Either or. No. Oh. Why do you ask? It doesn't matter. We can't ever be happy and live the lives we want to live. Until he's gone. Who? I see something. A very lonely girl. Abandoned, possibly? Not abandoned. Just neglected. And Father Weber? I don't know. You must eliminate him. What? You must eliminate the controller. Heather slowly lifted up her yellowed blouse and turned sideways to reveal her hip. A small half-moon shape was carved deeply into her flesh. The wound was old now and completely scabbed over. Why didn't you tell me? Heather only smirked. They remained silent, continuing to dunk the dishes into the cloudy, weak-old dishwater they had been forced to reuse over and over again. Kat handed Heather the scarcely washed plates, and she dried them on the old newspaper and stacked them in the middle of the counter. In a quick burst of rage, Heather growled and forcefully pushed the entire stack of dishes to the floor. (coughs) Kat paused and simply regarded the mess without moving or speaking for several moments. A lone piece of ceramic continued to spin in a slow circle on the floor, before finally stopping and resting on its side. I think I have a plan. Hello, Sister Joan. Get your hands off me! Joan, I'm going to examine your leg now. Just let me know if anything is uncomfortable. Open compound fracture of the right lower tibia. Suspected osteomyelitis. Necrotic tissue in and around the wound. No changes from yesterday. I can't write all of that. Just put a blue mark right here, right under her knee. Here? Oh God, don't touch it. I'm really sorry. Yes, right there. Try to be gentle. 
Thank you, Sister Joan. Your patience is appreciated. You will pay for this. Hello there, Hannah. Do not be afraid. No, 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 no. Hand me the pen, Mike. Let me turn her on her side. Adrian, Kat, and Ira each grab a part of the woman's body and attempt to lift her onto her side. Her body is large and bloated, and despite their efforts, she doesn't budge. Violently, Hannah began to shake and gargle as if choking on her own fluids. Grab the diazepam. Over there, the white and yellow box. Two syringes, two, damn it. Here. What's happening? It's an electrical disturbance in the brain. Has this happened to her before? Speak English, man. I have no idea what the hell you're yammering about. Never mind. Just don't let her fall off this cot and support her neck. After several chaotic minutes of spasming, Hannah gargled one last time before going eerily silent. None of them moved for a moment. Adrian cast a sideways glance at Kat, who then looked at Ira, whose eyes were closed, and he was mouthing a silent prayer. The seconds ticked by and Adrian assumed Hannah hadn't survived the seizure. He leaned forward, his face close to hers, so he could see if she was still breathing. Out of nowhere, Hannah's hand exploded from her side and grabbed Adrian by the throat. Kat screamed and began to punch Hannah in the face, but her attempts were futile compared to the larger woman's strength. Ira watched helplessly, unmoving, silent. Ira, help Adrian! She's strangling him! Is this part of the seizure? Please go get Ray. We, we need her help. We don't need Ray. I can handle this. Just tell me what to do. You have to kill Hannah. She's strangling Adrian. She must have the madness. Please, Ira, do something. What? No. We cannot kill a member of the flock. It's forbidden. She's already gone. That's not the real Hannah anymore. Please do something before she kills Adrian. On the other side of the room, Father Weber let out a low guttural groan from behind his cubicle. Momentarily distracted, Ira looked towards him and saw a disheveled Jenny tumble out from under the privacy curtain. What the hell are you doing here now? Father Weber didn't call for you today. He didn't need to call for me. I'm his wife. No, no, no! That's against the rules. What's wrong with him? Nothing. He's only tired from spending time with me. Leave him alone and mind your own business. What have you done to him? Help him! Father, wake up! Father Weber's great body began to shake, his muscles twitching out of sync with one another. He grabbed at his throat as he wheezed and began gasping for air. At this moment, Adrian pushed himself out of Hannah's grasp, falling over sideways and banging his head against Kat's medicine cart. Quick, Adrian, save Father Weber! Kat grabbed a pair of syringes from the medicine cart without a moment's hesitation and pulled off each top with her teeth in quick succession. She didn't bother to look at the names of the syringes she held. It didn't matter. She quickly jammed both simultaneously into Father Weber's chest. What have you done? Ira, we don't belong here, neither do you. Please just let us go. You came into our house, ate our food, and used our water. Then you murdered the father of our flock. I, I didn't. He, he was already... An eye for an eye. Ira, please... Just listen to me. These people aren't your family. He didn't love you. He used you. Kat. I was trying to protect us. Please, don't do this, Ira. A look of absolute disgust crossed Ira's face. He
He stared at Father Weber lying dead on the floor, his face already starting to turn a greenish-grey colour. Then he looked towards Hannah, also lying on the floor. Blood formed a halo around her head. He slowly unsheathed his knife from under his robe. Pascal's wager, my sister. Time seemed to slow down as Adrian jumped from his landing spot on the floor and he tackled the knife-wielding Ira. Run, Cat! Cat watched in horror as Ira slashed at Adrian's arm and chest, trying to get out of his grasp and get to her and Jenny. Adrian mouthed the word again and flicked his head towards the door in an effort to get her to go. Jenny grabbed Cat and dragged her from the sick bay, ushering her to the passenger seat of a waiting car. Shoving the keys into the ignition, Jenny threw the car into reverse, pressing the gas pedal all the way to the floor. Cat continued to stare at the outside of the sick bay in horror, her stomach tying in knots over her concern for Adrian. As the car zoomed backwards towards the gate, Jenny threw her arm over the back of Cat's seat and closed her eyes, bracing for the impact. The car burst through the metal gate, leaving it hanging off its hinges. Within seconds, the door to the compound flew open and Ray ran outside, waving her pistol at the pair. Hey! What the hell you think you're doing? Starring Journey Brown Santel, Andrew Cantero, Emily Husband, Chi Dumibi Jokey Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, and Gina Pietro Monaco. This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas, George Alex, Christopher Power, Nicholas Watson, Michelle Kane, and me, Shima Melendez. Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound designed by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Music composed by Peter Clough. Bradley Parsons, and Constantine Nesiarovich. If you are enjoying this series and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Feel free to check us out online at agonaldreamspodcast.com. That's all for this episode. See you next month. If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium, and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you. Mutual presents audio dramas every day of the week, each with its own genre. Mystery, sci-fi, comedy, horror, all reaches of the imagination. It doesn't matter if you produced your shows years ago or are still cranking them out. Share them on the world's largest collection of modern audio drama and audio fiction. Give a listen at MutualAudioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to be a part of the excitement, with free access to all sorts of voices, sound effects, music, and more, just drop a line to mutualaudio at gmail.com. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Why not join us today?